listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us again for episode 247. What's going on, Mark? Our oil and Gatsby Christmas ball is getting closer. I know. <laughs> I bought a chunky flapper outfit. <laughs> You're going to look awesome in it. So if you don't know what's going on, we're trying to throw one hell of a Christmas party here in Houston. It's Friday, December 3rd. It's the Oil and Gatsby. Get it? Oil and Gatsby charity Christmas ball. We're partnered with Social Octane on this. This is really going to be the premier event of this year. We're going to have an FR Clothing Runway Show page. I'm actually I, pretty stoked about that. I too, we have a couple of hosts in there. A host and our one of our producers actually is going to be in there. Actually, our marketing Marketing. Person. Oh, that's right. She keeps changing rules. We have a five-piece swing jazz band, a whiskey room, a champagne room, a cigar lounge, food, beverages, crap tables, blackjack, and all the money that we rose, raise goes towards the nonprofit Orphan Well Project. So the money goes for a good cause. Yep. If you want to go reach out to me, uh, by the time you hear this, we'll be selling packages of 20 tickets, or actually not we, me. We'll be selling ticket packages of 20 tickets for $5,000. It's a great way to reward your top customers, show them something really cool, or your employees, or both. And then you can also go to the website and buy individual tickets. Like I said, the money's going for a good cause. It's going to be a blast. Really, really hope to see you there. And if you come, if you make it, hit me up on Twitter or, or page as well. Let us know that you're there. We'd love to meet I you I don't do Twitter, bro. That's All right, just hit me up on Twitter then. Yeah. Yeah, I deleted that off my phone. Anyway, so looks like we have a review. You want to read that? Sure. Interesting, concise, and informative. Good work. I really like the weekly updates and the information you provide. Keep up the good work. And this is from UT36340 via Apple Podcast United States. Cool. So if you want to be like UT6340, leave us a review and we give you a big shout out just like we did him or her. All right. So it's first Friday Q&A. So let's get into the questions, Mark. Uh, of course, as always, we have Luvik. Why is President Biden doing everything with policies to hurt the oil and gas industry? He asked Saudi Arabia for more drilling, but only country can grow drastically is drilling is Iran. Time for a new Iran deal. And does the demand by Iran make sense to have it ratified by Congress and Senate so that it is hard to end? Yeah. Big shout to Ludwig. English is not his native language. He's Dutch. But good job. Good question, actually, by the way. So it's not so much President Biden is doing everything to hurt an oil and gas industry. They're doing nothing to help it. Now, members of his panels and members of his Congress are absolutely out there trying to hurt our industry. I had this conversation yesterday. It really upsets me as, number one, as an oil and gas professional, and number two, as an American, that because of the high fuel prices right now, the United States is asking other nations to increase production, knowing damn good well we have those hydrocarbons underneath our feet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We could do it ourselves easily. Yeah. Right? It is so wrong. Why is he doing this? Because it's what his party believes in. They want to limit fossil fuel production, and the easiest way for them to do that in the United States is passing laws to make it more expensive. This will, if it's not taken in check, will drive the jobs and the prosperity of the U.S. oil and gas market overseas. We will still buy hydrocarbons. We have a choice as a country based on economics. We can buy our own hydrocarbons or we can buy other countries' hydrocarbons. And unfortunately, our current administration wants us to buy other countries' hydrocarbons. So just wrong. Do I think this could continue? No. And there's a reason for that. It has to do, and that's all tied into my predictions that are coming out pretty soon, but I think we're headed toward a global energy shortage like the world has never seen. And my hope is that will make a lot of people wake up and realize how important hydrocarbons are to mankind. But that's more 
to come later around this. But to answer your question, Ludwig, they have their own political interest as what's more important to them than the good of the American people. All I have to say is, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Um, you have to explain it to Luthwick later. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. It's not the first person I've had to explain that to. So anyway, so the next one is from Brittany Binker at Co-America. Hey there, first off, I want to say how much I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast. I learned so much from you both. I understand it was a combination of several factors, lack of winterization of plants, gas freezing in wellhead, inability to access the gas wells due to icy roads, lack of electricity to the fields, etc. that led to the disaster that was the Texas freeze. People tend to talk about how it's a good thing that Texas is independent and has its own grid. But in the case of the freeze, wouldn't it have benefited us to be tied into the rest of the nation's power supply? My real question is, what are the pros and cons of Texas having its own grid? Thanks. Good question, Brittany. Very so good question. The good thing is, you, it looks like you've done some research and you understand all the different components that caused the freeze, or not caused the freeze, caused the lack of power for people in Texas during the freeze. It was a very, you know, one in a million year type of coming together for a whole bunch of different factors. It will never happen again, not at this scale, because we've learned from it. But as far as us having our own national grid, there's pros and cons of it. To your point, the cons is when we can't provide enough electricity, we have, it's literally in, almost physically impossible for us to pull electricity from other states that are on the national grid. Now, the pros, we don't usually have problems as opposed to the rest of the country that has problems literally every month, right? We had this one problem in 19 years, right? The other thing is this keeps the federal government's hands out of the way we manage our electrical distribution and generation. Number three, typically we have a surplus. So not only is Texas the number one natural gas-fired electrical generation state in the U.S., it's also the number one solar generation state in the U.S. and the number one wind generation state in the U.S. Mm -hmm. We usually have tons of power, so much so that we have a surplus. So what's actually happened is there is some things in the Texas legislature to fund the construction of us tapping into the national grid, not because we want it as a backup and not because we need it for our own shortcomings so we can sell our electricity to the rest of the country. So that's the whole reason it's set up that way. There's a history behind it. It's actually a fascinating history. Personally, I think it's time for us to finally make that connection. I do like the way Texas wants to regulate it, where it's basically be a one-way electron highway where we can allow electrons go out into the rest of the grid. People can pay us for it, but neither the federal government or other states have any input to what we're doing with our grid. So let's hope they manage to pull that off because it would be good for the rest of the country if we could give them our surplus electricity. All right. So the next question is from Anonymous. And I just wanted, before we even get into the question, if you put your name down as Anonymous, don't put your email address, please, unless you want us to reach out to you personally, just so there's no mistakes that happen. It happens. Yeah, if... So when it makes, if it requires you to put an email address, just put like XXX at I Actually, you don't have to put anything at all. It still takes it. It still takes it? Okay. I'm pretty yeah. sure it still does. If it doesn't, just make some crap up. I just don't want to, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm making it, you know. We accidentally do reveal someone. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So Anonymous asks, I just started working in the tug and barge sector and all of this is new to me. Been working in the Navy for the past eight years. Thank you for your service. We are moving all kinds of oil and I'm trying to get a good idea idea of what it all does do you have any show that talks about the life cycle of oil i.e from ground to engine or could you point me in the right directions thanks so much and keep up the hard work we love the show well anonymous seaman thank you for reaching out and a little bit tongue-in-cheek there yeah i didn't use the word squid 
Once again, thank you for your service. Seriously. No, seriously. So yes, there's a link in the show notes. It goes back to one of the original blog points that Modal Point did that I did that is so cringeworthy. I hate to even see it, but the quality of the content is unbelievable. It literally talks literally from the moment a molecule of hydrocarbon is discovered in the ground to how it ends up in your car's gas tank as fuel. It's a short video. It's less than three minutes, easy to watch, easy to understand. Like I said, very cringeworthy because it was one of my first ones, but <laughs> it should talk you right through it. And people love it. I can't take it down. It's our most trafficked video. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, you're working the barge and tug sector. You're caught up. I don't care what y'all move around. I don't care if y'all move around shells <laughs> or, or crank cane surf, right? Y'all are caught up in the supply chain issue. So learn everything you can. You know, after doing eight years in the Navy, it should be rather easy for you to learn maritime in a barge because it's nowhere near as strict as it is in the Navy. I doubt you'll be out there with a chip and hammer cleaning up <laughs> rusty paint spots. Learn all you can. You're in a great spot. The maritime industry is getting ready to, or is in the process of exploding a special coastal. So you're, you're in a really great place. And go check out that video. And feel free to reach out to me personally at any time. If I can talk you through anything about our industry, I'd love to help you. All right. Another one from Anonymous. This is a different Anonymous? A different Anonymous, yes. What's your opinion on the future of subsea compression? Will there be more projects after Jans, in parentheses, it says Chevron Western Australia, and other companies trying to compete with Acre? Yes. So if you don't know what subsea compression is, a subsea field, just like any other field, has some amount of built-in pressure. And when you first drill, that built-in pressure helps you get those hydrocarbons out of the ground or the bottom of the subsea floor in this case. And at some point, as you lose that pressure in the reservoir, you have to have an artificial way to pull those hydrocarbons out. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it. One, when you're offshore, is actually subsea compression. It works much better. So even though the conditions on the ocean floor are horrific, cold, salty, corrosive, tons of pressure, they're consistent. It stays the same. From an engineering point of view, you would rather engineer a mechanical solution in an environment that stays the same than trying to do this top side where the temperature changes, the wave changes, the salinity changes. Man, all you know is a cargo container come drag an anchor over you, you know, if you're topside. So this is why people want to do it subsea. Subsea compression has been going on since at least the 80s. Shell is one of the innovators in the North Sea. And subsea compression will continue. The subsea world will come back. I mean, we're at, last time I looked, we were at $83.5 for WTI. Natural gas is killing it. We're at the point where subsea even deep water, maybe not ultra deep water, but but deep water is starting to become commercially viable. Definitely on the shelf is, is extremely viable right now at current gas and oil prices. So subsea worlds continue to explode. And, and, you know, the cool thing is there's a handful of companies out there that do this. So there's Technique FMC, one of our sponsors. We love them to death. There's Acker. There's Slumberger with their camera in one subsea. Other than that, there's not a lot of whole bunch of players out there. So if you're working for one of these companies and you're worried about the future, the future's bright. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a good place. And like I said, I'm getting ready to do my predictions and we're predicting a 20 year boom in our industry. So stay tuned. All right. So the next one's from Robert Latimer. He's actually gave us the Starbucks gift card that one time. And Oh, thank you, Rob. Yeah. We did thank him already. We're, yeah. we're good. Anyway, he's <laughs> why would you encourage California folks to move out to Nebraska? Okay. Kansas would be fine, but Nebraska only if they can play football. <laughs> Somebody has some skin in the game here. Love the show. Signed up for a shirt before they're gone. Is he, is Robert live in Nebraska? I don't, I, maybe he's from Nebraska. Oh, he's a football fan. I probably, could be. Yeah. That's well, it's just we don't want any more Californians to move here to Texas if they're gonna vote the same way they were voting in California. 
Yeah, and so we're joking about this with Robert Page and I, but if you don't if you don't listen, if this is the first time you listen to the show, first thing, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Second thing, all the regular listeners will get tired of me saying this, but if you're a new listener, one of the things that's happening is because of people's political persuasion, the way they vote, they can drive up the cost of living. This has been happening in California for a very long time, and so what's happening is a lot of people from California can no longer afford to live there, and so they want to move to states that are very – easy and expensive to live to, those states tend to be very business friendly. Those states tend to be Texas and Florida. Right? Yeah. So if you come here, realize that the way that you voted politically caused the increase in cost of living. So don't come here and do the same thing. Right. You know, not asking you to vote in a way that you don't want to. I'm asking you to be vote in a way that's fiscally smart. Don't vote for projects that you don't know how to get paid for. Don't vote for stuff that's pie in the sky. Yeah. And then bottom line is here in Texas, we have a balanced budget amendment. You can't spend, we can't spend money we don't have, unlike California. And I'm not dogging people in California. Honestly, California is one of the most beautiful. California is, I think, the most beautiful state in the country. I'm sorry, other 49 states. But its politics has ruined its economy. They've lost aerospace, Department of Defense. They've lost oil and gas. You can't even go buy <laughs> the gas lawnmowers and your gas blowers anymore. Yeah, The only thing economy they really have right now still left is technology and agriculture. And the tech companies are moving out like crazy. Yeah. It's going to be left as an agricultural state, unfortunately. So all joking aside, you know, we love our people in California. You know, California has a long oil and gas history in the U.S. It's just yep. a shame that politics has messed that up. So. You know, Rob, thanks for reaching out. And people in Nebraska and Kansas, I promise you, we're not sending boat Nobody's actually, <laughs> who's going to listen to us, yeah. first off? Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Just a quick interruption to share a few things that are going on in October. We have not one, but two industry mixers this month, one on October 7th and one on the October 21st. Just check out our social. They're always great events, and the money that you help us raise goes to fight human sex trafficking, and you get to network with oil and gas executives. We have a new show that just came out, Energy Transition Podcast. Also remember, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure, and then the end of this year, we'll be full media partners for the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. The World Petroleum Congress has not been in Houston over 30 years, so make sure you put space in your calendar. Come check us out. And then finally, join the OGDN Street Team on LinkedIn. It's our all-volunteer group that's really going places. I'll see you again next month. Next question is from Craig, petroleum engineering student. Thank you for all the advice you provide. Also, for students like me trying to enter the industry. I will complete my petroleum engineering undergrad program next year, and I have had a hard time finding job opportunities. Do you have any advice for me on strategies to land a job in petroleum engineering in the current environment? I hear that the industry has a hard time attracting talent, but I don't see that reflected on, in my job search. Opportunities, especially for students without experience, seem to be scarce. In case I won't find a PE job, are there any related jobs that you could recommend as an intermediate step to gain some useful work experience that would later help to find work as a petroleum engineer? Any advice would be great. Thank you, Craig. So, Craig, first thing, reach out to me personally and let's have a conversation. I'm more than happy to help you. I love helping our, our countries, our world's young people. Second thing, man, it seems like I just gave this advice just recently. I don't mind giving it again. A couple of things. So, first thing, Craig, find – I don't know where you are in the country or in the world, actually, because you didn't say – but somewhere, hopefully close to you, is some oil and gas organizations, the API, SPE, IADC. Just Google oil and gas associations and then go volunteer. I know you're a student. You don't have a whole lot of spare cash. Go volunteer for these organizations. You will rub elbows with some of the senior people in the industry that belong to these things and be very open and honest. Say, look, I don't know anything. I'm a petroleum engineer. I'm a student. I have no experience. You know, how can I help you? Right. And I promise you, they'll bring you under their wing and you'll end up with at least 
a couple of small interns by joining and volunteering for these oil and gas organizations. The other th- and that just can help you get some experience. The other thing is don't be afraid to look outside of the oil and gas companies to get petroleum engineering experience. Look at some of the software that y'all use day to day. Look at you know Petrel or you know or any of some of the big data analytics hard loop. So, Craig, check out companies like Tipco that make Spotfire. Spotfire, if you haven't used yet, I promise you, you will be forced to learn it in your job as a petroleum engineer. They have a bunch of free workshops and stuff just for petroleum engineers. So get kind of plugged in both on the technical side of the software that petroleum engineers use day to day, and then also with some oil and gas organizations. It's going to take a little bit of time, but by networking in those groups, you will get job opportunities. You will also get intern opportunities and paid intern opportunities. And like I said, Craig, reach out to me directly. Let me see if I can help you. All right. Next one is from another anonymous. This is the week for anonymous. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I love you both so much. Listening to you guys gives me a different perspective on the industry and helps me keep apprised of the up and coming topics I'd normally miss. Plus pages the tits. <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> my question is, could you please break down this article that my anti-oil and gas family members sent me? They continue to discourage me from remaining in the industry by sending me such things. Yeah. And so anonymous number three, there's tons of anti-oil and gas articles out there, research studies, personal opinions. There's a lot of stuff out there saying the oil and gas industry is going to completely disappear in 10 years. Number one, not only is it completely wrong, number two, whatever your anti-oil and gas family member used to send this to you was made from hydrocarbons. So by the very act of your anti-oil and gas family key punching this and sending it to you, they're supporting the oil and gas industry. So thank you, whoever your family member is that's against anti-oil and gas for supporting our industry. I also suspect that the same family member probably gets up and gets in a vehicle and goes to the grocery store. Thank you once again for supporting our industry. I also suspect they buy things like soccer ball and shirts and lipstick. Once again, all made from oil and gas. So thank them again for supporting our industry. Mm -hmm. Then finally, hydrocarbons are the most important molecule there is to mankind. Hydrocarbons will never disappear. Man will use them until the day we disappear. Hydrocarbons will run out about the same time we run out of hydrogen in the sun. Hydrocarbons are still being made. And we're getting ready to enter, in my opinion, a 20-year boom year for the oil and gas industry. So, you know, thank your family. I'm sure they're honestly, their heart's in the right place and they're looking out for you. They're just wrong. If they would like to have a orderly discussion about why they're wrong. I'm getting ready to launch a show called The Balance Point. I'd love to have your anti-oil and gas family members join me on the show and have a discussion. Well, not only that, but that, I mean, if they keep doing that, that's kind of toxic. I'd block them. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm at the age now where I don't put up with that type of it's crap. It's just not worth the drama, is it? No, yeah. no, I'd block. I don't care who you are. You're toxic to me. You're out of my life. So that's a warning for everyone. <laughs> but not Sarah. But not Sarah Reynolds. Not analyst yet. for McKenzie, which asks, when will Mark release his predictions for 2022? Love the show. Sarah, in about two weeks. So mid-November is typically when I try to release that. Like pre-Thanksgiving? Yeah, I think I'm going to do something different, Paige. So I, I think I'm going to do the usual where I shoot and edit a video and ends up a modal point. But I think that right before I release that, I'm going to do a Twitter live. I've never done it before. Just oh, that'd be cool. And just so, you get, so Sarah and the rest of McKenzie, <laughs> the rest of you analysts, you want to see my predictions about two more weeks. And if you want to see them live first before anybody else, follow me on Twitter. I'll be doing a Twitter live with the predictions. Like I said, about two weeks. Oh, that's cool. All right. So the next question is from Tiffany Fontenot, communications with LDNR, Louisiana DNR. For y'all that don't know. They don't may not know what DNR is. Oh, Department of Natural Resources. Go <laughs> oil and gas this week. Louisiana proud of what y'all do. 
Mark, the best thing you ever did is bring on my chat as a co-host. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Just love Paige's insight and commentary. You'll make a great pair. So here's my questions. How do we educate our state's young people to understand the importance of oil and gas to our beautiful state? And how do we keep our recently university grads here working in the state rather than leaving and taking their education elsewhere? And would love to help y'all start an industry mixer in Louisiana, but please South Eaton. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm thinking Lafayette or New Orleans. Yeah. So the funny thing, audience, if you don't know why this is so funny, literally her first word, go oil and gas this week, is spelled G-E-A-U-X. Her last name is Fontenot. Something tells me she might be Cajun. <laughs> and if you're Cajun, you're laughing right along with us. And if you're not, you have no idea what we're talking about. That's so, cool. It, but it's just funny, okay? Interesting questions, actually really good questions. So how do you help our young people, say young people understand the importance of oil and gas? It starts with education. And unfortunately, I'm starting to believe that at a certain age, it's not worth your time or effort. I know it sounds horrible. You really have to get to people when they're really young, when, yeah. when before their opinions have been cemented and steel. So one of the things we're doing, shout out to Dean Murphy, is they're actually going out to elementary school kids and reading real, true stories about the energy industry. So not just oil and gas, but when they read oil and gas books, it's oil and gas books that are pro oil and gas, but also things about geothermal, renewables, solar, wind. They're telling the truth. They've taken all politics and facts out of it. It's all about energy and the value of energy to mankind. So Tiffany, if you want to actually maybe do something like that in Louisiana, reach out to me. I'll connect you with Dean and maybe we can start a Louisiana chapter there. It's a lot of work. We need a lot of volunteers. We need companies to support it, but it's it's the best way I've seen. You start at an elementary school age and these kids grow up understanding the importance and the value of the oil and gas industry. The other thing is, uh, since you work for the Department of Natural Resources, y'all have some really cool stuff. I know a little bit about y'all. Y'all should arrange some tours and show how you work hand-in-hand with both coastal restoration and oil and gas production. Louisiana is one of the states where that has worked like a fine science. Now, I'm not going to make fun of the rest of Louisiana politics, but at least the Department of Natural Resources seems like I've got y'all's act together. Um, oh, they do. And, I know a lot of them. Yeah. And so they're doing some really cool stuff. So why don't you tell the stories of what you do day to day? Young people will love to understand that. Right now, they have no idea what you're doing around all of that. Now, as far as keeping your university students in your state, you got to be able to compete. And, you know, Paige and I are both proud of Louisiana. I grew up in Louisiana, so did Paige. But we're here in Texas for a reason. And I'm not faulting my state at all. But the business opportunities here in Texas, quite frankly, are better. And so Louisiana, you need some, some work. You need some work on attracting more industries, more diverse industries. And you need to show up to vote. Absolutely. So we know a lot of people in Louisiana that are not happy with Louisiana politics, but unfortunately, they don't vote. And so it stays the same. If you want to make a change, show up. Yeah. So I know it's a kind of, Tiffany, it's probably not exactly what you wanted to hear, but in my humble opinion, that's really what you need to do. Louisiana is a beautiful state. Mm-hmm. If you like the outdoors, it has literally everything you want. Now, I'm not going to make a comment about I 10. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> just please no hate mail from Alexandria, Natchitoches, Shreveport. We love y'all. Y'all are just different <laughs> than South Louisiana. Well, they're not Cajun. <laughs> so anyway, but Tiffany, thanks for, for writing. And we actually doing an industry mixer in Louisiana is on our list for next year. It's most probably going to be in Lafayette. I'll keep a note of your name and we'll get close and we start planning. I'll let you know. I'd love to see you and your your peers. I'd love to have all of <laughs> Louisiana Department of Natural Resources show well, up Well, then it would have mixers. to be in Baton Rouge, which is possible. We could do that in Baton Rouge. I mean, it's only an hour and a half away from, or an hour, a good hour from Lafayette. So maybe what we'll do is let us get the Lafayette one launched, and then I'll reach out to you, and if maybe we have enough traffic and enough people that want us to do it, we can do one in Baton Rouge as well. Yeah, just make sure it's not going in or out of the city off I-10. So that's, yeah. 
That's such a cluster over there. All right, so next one's from Doug Vacari. I'm going to go with Vacari. Vacari. Investor. Mark and Paige, I really appreciate all the time and effort you put into the show. It's super educational, easy to listen to, often humorous, and the best damn audio quality of any of the other oil and gas podcasts. Well done. So I've heard you both say several times that OGGN is not looking for capital investments, but I hear through the grapevine that you and several of your team have been rubbing elbows and attending some of these exclusive investor events, not just PE, but VC and institutional as well. What gives? Regardless, thank you for what you do. Yeah, so first thing, we're still not looking for investor money for OGGN or for Modal Point or anything else we're doing. I get approached often, a couple times a month. Appreciate it. It's a big compliment, big pat on the, the team's back that we're doing so good that people want a piece of it. Why are you hearing us mingle with these types? So number one, we have the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, yeah. right? And so, of course, our host, Jose, is out there rubbing elbows with people that invest money into companies, startup and scale-ups. The other thing is it's part of the industry. It's an important part of the industry. So you know, I've been negligent in learning that investor side of the industry, and I've been lucky enough that a lot of y'all want to talk to me. So I'm out there just learning. I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm learning how that part of the industry works, learning the difference between private equity and venture capital institutional. And they're just really good people. You know, I've had several people out there, a big shout to Ernst with Blueberry Capital, another big shout out to Jeremy and Ryan with Montrose Lane. All those guys and a bunch of others have been very helpful to me, help educate me in understanding the investment part of our industries. And I have a lot more to learn. So OGGN is involved and touches investment dollars because of our podcast. I personally have an interest in this because it's part of the industry I don't know. So of course you can see us rubbing elbows out there with, with the VCs and the private equity guys. And you can see us doing more of that. So, you know, Doug, sorry that we're not looking for money, <laughs> but at the same time, honestly, Doug, it looks like you're in that world as well. Reach out to me. I'd love to pick your brain around some of this stuff. There you go. There you go. All right. Next question. And final question. Jacques Sherman, Marketing Director for BP, asks, Hey guys, I look forward to listening to your show every week. Are you attending the World Petroleum Congress first week of December here in Houston, Texas? Also, what do you think of the future has in store for oil and gas conferences and trade shows? I already have my press pass for it. I had my press pass for it like months ago. Yeah, so for World Petroleum Congress, we will be there full force. We'll be doing multiple live podcasts on the show floor itself. We'll be there as press. If you come, come find us. Hit me up on Twitter. It's probably the best way to connect. We're going to have a blast. It is going to be an interesting page to see what the turnout is. You know, we were both disappointed in OTC and NAEP, but that was so close to things starting to open up. And now that travel is starting to ease up, especially international travel, I really have high hopes that this is going to have a good turnout for this show. But I tell you this much, WPC, World Petroleum Congress, has not been in Houston in almost 30 years, and we've been working with their media team, and they're fantastic to work with. I mean, just really great people. Love those guys over there. And she wants to know, what is the future store for all gas conference and trade shows? Well, damn it. If you would ask me that question literally a couple months ago, I would have said the same answer I've been saying for years in that they're on the decline, that the value isn't what it used to be, especially large international shows. And all that's because of technology. There's no reason to jump on a plane, get a hotel, walk the show floor where you can just go online and get the same, if not better information. But you know what, Paige, one of the things I've noticed the last couple of events that we've attended that are not the big multinational ones, so not OTC, not Nate, but the other smaller events, people are dying to get back together in person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, Jock, I almost want to tell you that I was wrong, that especially I think these smaller niched events, I think they're going to be super well attended at least for the next year or two, just because people are so starved of getting back together in person. A lot of the information you can get from doing an event online, what you can't get is the in-person networking feedback 
social type of interaction that just it's just not the same online. So I think smaller, more niche conferences are going to grow. I still think the large multinational conferences are, are going to struggle and, and eventually disappear, or they may morph into something something different. You know, we may end up in the West Coast in, in the next month with an event Amazon's doing. And who would have thought that at a big Amazon event, they would have a solid oil and gas presence? Well, they will. Right. Yeah. And so if you think about it that way, who knows? Maybe in Dreamforce, there'll be a solid oil and gas presence in the future, which means that maybe the technology conferences, which are always well attended, which grow every year, maybe we have a spot in there as a way for us to have these big multinational conferences. Bottom line is it's still kind of up in the air. We'll experiment with ourselves. So we started doing our industry mixers, which we used to call happy hours here in Houston. And they've been extremely well attended to the point that we actually had to do two a couple of months yeah. just to keep up. And we have a demand to do, I think we have 11 cities earmarked in the U.S., 11 or 12 cities in the U.S. that we're going to do our small local events starting in 2022. So the demand is there. From BP's point of view, just be careful. Just just make sure that you don't do these long-term commitments to these huge conferences that may not have the turnout that you want. But I would 100% tell you to look at the smaller niche conferences and invest your money and your time there. That's it. Well, speaking of that's it, if you wanted a place to work and get away from whatever you want to get away from, a dog walking around with bread in its mouth, your husband, <laughs> your wife. <laughs> yes, that's an inside joke. Oh, um, man. We have a dog on the floor right now. I'll sleep with yeah, I, br- I always bring my dog to when we record, and he has a loaf of bread because Mark gave him a sandwich. <laughs> he ate the meat and cheese and then brought the bread with him. Anyway, go to the cannon, go to the front desk, say OGG sent you, they will give you a free pass for the day. They won't try to sell you anything. Great place to do some co work. It's also where we do most of our live events here in Houston. And we record there sometimes. And not only do we record there, a lot of our hosts record yeah. there. The funny thing is, Paige, I went one time for a meeting and they had. Two of our separate shows they're recording at the same time. None of us knew anybody was going to be there. I got a picture <laughs> of it somewhere. It was like All and Gas Elevate on the right side was recording. I think Michael's doing Digital Doers. And then I'm st- at the top looking. It's like, why are we all three here? None of us knew it. It's hilarious. That's funny. So you may, you may run into us recording the show there. Yeah. Speaking of running this stuff, looks like we're in this IBM t-shirt thing. We're going to end up with a different giveaway for next year. So what is this? Toward the end of October? Yeah. So you, audience, if you haven't entered... To win one of these shirts, I'm telling you, enter now. Enter every week until the end of the year. We're going to end up with a different giveaway in 2022. We don't quite know what that is yet, but the shirts have run their course. Now, they're collectible. They're instantly collectible. Each one has a unique serial number. They're cool-looking shirts. So, so go red shirt. Get you one of these shirts for their they disappear. Then, weekly rig count. What are we doing, Paige? United States is at 542. We're down one. Not too shabby. Canada is at 164, down four. Still not too shabby. Internationally, we're up 10 at 787. Yeah. And if you want to have more giggles and laughs, go to LinkedIn. That is the place to go for giggles and laughs. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. Well, if they go sign up for OGGN stuff, it looks like a lot of our team's been throwing TikTok videos up there, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I have seen that. That's, yeah. been, that's definitely been cool. Yeah. Go check out our company page, sign up for our street team group. If you heard me mention earlier talking about our student outreach committee, if you'd like to get involved that, sign up for the street team and then reach out to Dean Murphy and tell him you want to be part of that, want to help him with the student outreach. And then while you're online, go ahead and go to any website, <laughs> maybe not any website, go to OGGN.com or OnlyAskThisWeek.com. Sign up if you have a question and your question of First Friday Q&A. And if we read your question there, you get a big shout out. Unless, you, unless you're anonymous. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then we can't really, we can still give you a shout out. We just don't know who you are. Yeah. And then finally, if you want to know about the events that are going on now and in the future, sign up for a monthly oil and gas events newsletter. It's free. We take all the oil and gas events once a month, stick them in your inbox. We're also letting you know what we're doing, which is kind of cool. Yep. And then if you want myself or any of our experts to come speak at your event, sales teams, I know you start preparing for your 2022 kickoff. It's always great to bring a podcast there. We're also, we get overwhelmed with requests, especially from oil field service companies and technology companies to come bring what we think the future is going to look like. So if you want us to come train your sales team, your marketing team on the differences in oil and gas in 22, let me know. I'll be happy to share the details. All right, Paige, ready to get out of here? Yes, I'm hungry. Remember folks, <laughs> do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. See ya. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.